We're in the book of Acts. We're in chapter 2. And we're in the events that immediately follow the day of Pentecost and the days following. Listen. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds of all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in the homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. The word of the Lord. You may be seated. Pentecost, that great period of harvest, that season that celebrated what God would do in bringing His people in and filling them with His Spirit, giving them the assured promise that the prophets from old had been saying over and over that God would do. And now we're going to see some of the fruit of the coming of the Spirit of God upon His people on the day of Pentecost. And we're going to see what happened there in those days and probably weeks that followed the day of Pentecost there with the church in Jerusalem. And two things will stand out. They were together. We've, we've seen that a couple of times in the text this morning already. And then they devoted themselves. We're going to take a, two or three weeks and look at the objects of their devotion. What did they devote themselves to? Now remember, 3,000 souls had been added on the day of Pentecost. That's a pretty good harvest right there. But it didn't stop. Day by day, the Lord is adding to His church those that are being saved, those that are repenting of their sins, that are calling upon the name of the Lord, those that are believing in Christ and trusting in His finished work upon the cross and hearing the marvelous story of His resurrection and His ascension and are hearing the apostles preach and the others telling the story over and over of the mighty works of God. This is a movement of people hearing and understanding and believing, and that belief, that faith changing them, making them into different people in the way they behaved. And we'll see something about the behavior. This morning, I want us to look at the first thing they devoted themselves to. It says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Now, I may say this three or four times before I'm done, but I'm going to say it first so I'll know I get it, I get it said. <laughs> the apostolic teaching is the basis of our understanding of the Christian faith. What the apostles taught in this nascent church in the primitive church, what, he what the apostles taught the people is the doctrine, the truths, the belief system of historic Christian faith. In fact, the principle of canonicity in the New Testament, that is, how do we know what books 
got in the Bible and why they got there and why they're there and why other books are not there. The basic principle is the principle of apostolic teaching. Every book in the New Testament was written by an apostle, written in the first century. You say, oh, Ron, now wait a minute now. Luke wasn't an apostle. Mark wasn't an apostle. James and Jude were not apostles. Remember that, Ron. I remember that, but you also remember the ministry of those men. Luke was wedded to the side of the Apostle Paul for years and years and years. So when Luke wrote his gospel and the book of Acts, don't you think it's apostolic? And if you want a defense of Paul's apostolic authority, read his letter to the Corinthians, the second letter. Actually, it's about the fourth letter, but it's the second one in our canon. Mark. Early days was spent with Peter in Jerusalem and then quite a few days spent with Paul and Barnabas in Antioch. And then Mark moved on in the latter part of his ministry and his life to be the amanuensis, the scribe, the right-hand man to the apostle Peter all the way through to Peter's demise. And all of the books... Even Hebrews, which we don't know exactly who authored Hebrews, but it is clear that it is apostolic. And I have a theory that will put it right in the middle of the apostles as to who authored the book of Hebrews. All the books came from that principle of what did the apostles teach? What are the parameters and the contours of their doctrine? And most importantly, where did they get it? The apostles got their doctrine from the Lord, from the Lord Jesus Christ Himself. That's why it's Christian doctrine. And here's the key thing you need to know, and I know you know these passages, but I'm going to read them for you just to sort of bring it to our minds afresh. But the Lord in His teaching, especially at the very end of His earthly ministry, with His disciples when He was teaching them about many things they needed to know, one of the things he told them was that the Holy Spirit would come. And when the Holy Spirit came, he would have a work within them and among them that would guide them into all truth. Listen to a handful of passages out of the Gospel of John. Jesus says in teaching his disciples, I will ask the Father and he will give you another Helper. Now the word helper is a good translation, but it, it's really more than that. It means an advocate, an encourager. It's literally someone that's called alongside to render aid, to give that which you need, to be a spokesman and to be a supporter. It, it has the, the notion of to fortify, to console and to counsel, to inform and to defend. That's a little broader than just helper. I'll admit, if someone does all that for you, they're helping you. And they're a helper if they will do that, will advocate for you, defend you, instruct you, guide you, lead you, correct you, admonish you. That's a very helpful person to have alongside. And that's who the Spirit of God is in the life of the apostles when the Lord promised that they would come, that He would come. So he will, I, uh, the Father will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. 
but you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. Did you catch the sequence of the prepositions? He's with you and he will be in you. And when the Spirit of God came at Pentecost, that's precisely what He did. He filled them. He was in them. It was not just an amorphous mood or climate around the disciples, but the Holy Spirit was the third person of the triune God had come to indwell the human being in these apostles. Now, let me select a few more that will sort of help with what the Spirit will do. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. So he's teaching them all of these things. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. See what the Spirit's going to do for that little apostolic band? He's going to remind them of everything Jesus taught. That's helpful. <laughs> if you listen, listen to Jesus preach and teach and, and do all he did, I'm sure that in that ancient culture where the oral tradition was very strong and the people would commit large portions of it to memory and Jesus was a master teacher and with his parables and with his teaching style, he probably made most of what he, he preached was very memorable. You'd hold it on for the rest of your life, but we're not going to be depending upon just the fallible minds of the apostles. We're going to have the Spirit of God Himself superintending their memory. And He will then bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. So now these apostles are remembering all that Jesus taught. And who knows how much more Jesus taught beyond just what we have recorded in the speeches of the narratives of the four Gospels. An immense amount of things in scriptural interpretation of the Old Testament, innumerable applications of the Word of God and the law of God, incredible deep truths of the mind of God and the Spirit of God. These are the things that Jesus had been teaching and now these apostles are going to be reminded of that. But let's not skip that first phrase. He will teach you all things. He will become the primary teacher. It will go beyond the words that I said, but it will be things that He will instruct you in. One more passage. When the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, <laughs> there's, a good, uh, there's a real good lesson there on the person of the Holy Spirit who He is, where He comes from, who sends Him. He will bear witness about me. It's interesting that the Holy Spirit in His teaching is not just going to talk about all things in general, but is going to focus His teaching and His guiding and His memory reminding campaign on Christ. Just like Peter we saw a couple of weeks ago when he preached that sermon at Pentecost, it was Christocentric. It was Christ-centered all the way. It was all about this Jesus, this Jesus, this Jesus. And the Holy Spirit's teaching is going to be the same way. 
It's going to be all about this Jesus, Jesus Christ, Christ, Jesus Christ of Nazareth, the Christ who died for you, the Christ who loves you, the Christ who is your eternal friend. He will bear witness about me. Uh, you also will bear witness because you've been with me from the beginning. So the apostolic witness is a spirit-inspired, engendered, enlivened, remembered witness concerning Jesus Christ. Another passage. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away, for if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Jesus is promising the Holy Spirit will come and will minister to them and among them and through them a ministry. And it'll be the ministry of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The saving, redeeming, loving, dying, rising, ascending, enthronement work of Jesus Christ. I love the human elements that we have in the Gospels and the narratives that talk about Christ. And you see as he himself recognized the limitations of human finitude. He was finite. He, he knew there were certain things that he could do and certain things that would be left for others to do. He even told the disciples on one occasion, he said, I do all these works, but greater works than these shall you do because I go to my Father. And when I go to my Father, I send the Spirit and the Spirit will enable you to do greater works. Speak to larger crowds. Go into far more detail on things. Minister to people lovingly and carefully and with love and truth with a beautiful admixture that brings forth a sweet sweet aroma truth and love speaking truth never compromising speaking in love never deviating from that first principle of Christian ministry and Jesus says it this way, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them. Isn't it interesting Jesus recognized just how much he could leave with them because of their limitations? I would love to teach you more, but you just can't handle it. <laughs> Your little brain is just too small. Your little capacity is just too limited. But we're not going to stop there. There's more to it. And when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. This is interesting. The language that Jesus had used of himself with respect to the Father, he now uses of the Spirit with respect to Himself. You remember Jesus used the language of an apprentice. He said, I work and my Father works, but I do the works of my Father. Jesus came to speak the words of His Father. There is no deviation 
in the mind of the Trinity. The one God who is triune comes in the Father in his will, in his way, in his word is communicated absolutely perfectly without loss and without addition to Jesus. And Jesus carries that forth in his humanity, in his incarnation on the earth, teaching that which the Father has instructed him to teach. And now he says that the Spirit will not speak on his own authority. I'm afraid there's been groups of Christians down through the years that have tried to make the Holy Spirit kind of an independent authority. Spirit's got all kinds of things going on and things that, that didn't really come from Christ, nor the Heavenly Father. They've taken license in their teaching. We have to be careful about that. Because in order to be genuinely Christian, it has to be apostolic authority. In order for it to be apostolic authority, it's got to be Christ-centered. He, whatever he hears, he will speak and declare to you the things that are to come. I like that. That's the prophetic element in the apostolic witness, just like you had the prophetic element in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, the prophets would talk about things that were yet to come. And Jesus spoke of things yet to come. And the apostolic witness is that there are things yet to come. Apostle Paul speaks about them and gives us direction. Peter especially hammers down on things that we call eschatological or things having to do with the last day or the end times. And he will be the one, the Spirit of God will declare to you things that are to come. He will glorify me. He will glorify me. One more time, Jesus is making it clear that the work of the Spirit of God is He fills and empowers and gives the apostles their doctrine and their message to impart to the people who then are to impart it to others and down through the years. It's Christ-centered. It's Christ-centered. He will glorify me for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. That's what the apostolic witness is. It's Christ imparted to his followers, to his disciples by way of the apostolic generation, that first generation, those people that had been under the tutelage of Jesus during his incarnation here on earth, the period of his earthly ministry. He had taught, and now they're taking that doctrine, that teaching, and they're giving it to the 3,000 plus souls as the church is beginning to expand and extend, and, and many were begin then to move out as we look at the book, out beyond Jerusalem. Now, there's something that we don't want to overlook at this point, and that is uh, something that was happening in the next verse, verse 43, after our text verse says, And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. Many wonders and signs were being done. Being done. Not had been done, but were being done by the apostles. The apostles were given gifts 
that we would call sign gifts. In fact, they referred to them as the signs of the apostles. They were particularly the gifts of healing and the gifts of exorcism and to some extent the gift of tongues. Gifts that God gave them that they might know they had the power of the Galilean carpenter resting upon them. Just as the Spirit of God had come upon Christ in the form of a dove at His baptism, so the Spirit of God had come upon the apostles in a dynamic, visible way at Pentecost. And these apostles were vested with the power to demonstrate their authority. Jesus had already spoken to this during His ministry. Remember one time He healed a person and then He said, Thy sins be forgiven thee. And He got in trouble with the Pharisees. <laughs> Jesus was always in trouble with the Pharisees and the Sadducees. He got in trouble with those religious leaders because He had the exercising the power to forgive sins. That's a divine power. It's a divine prerogative. It's blasphemy to do that. But Jesus said, I heal a person in order that you might know that I have the power to forgive sins. The healing was an outward demonstration of his authority demonstrated in a powerful way. The apostles were given this gift in order to authenticate, in order to lay a foundation of apostolic authority and apostolic truth. In fact, as I sum up, let me sum up like this. Everything that the apostles taught had come from Jesus and was mediated to them in their memory and in fresh teaching and understanding by the Holy Spirit of God, who inspired the Scriptures in the first place and inspired every word of the Old Testament, was inspiring every word of the New Testament and giving them that truth, that, that system of doctrine about God, man, sin, salvation, Christ, hope of eternal life, things to come. All of that had been ministered and mediated to the disciples by the Spirit of God. That's why we just came through the month where we celebrated the Reformation. And technically, I suppose we should be celebrating the 500th anniversary of the, the beginning of the Reformation by taking a whole year I'll extend it at least one Sunday and say this. You've heard sola scriptura, sola scriptura, the solely, only, the scriptures, the scriptures alone is where we find our true Christian doctrine. That's where it comes from. It comes from the notion that true Christian doctrine comes from the apostles. It's the apostolic witness to Christ that is the bedrock of our understanding of the Christian faith. And the Spirit of God worked specially in that first generation of apostles in order to lay the foundation and to set all of the things in place for centuries of gospel preaching ever since. That's why the Reformers differed with, with Rome. The Reformers came to see that true apostolic witness is encapsulated in the scriptures that were written 
by the apostles in the apostolic band. They were contemporaneous with that first generation. They were the words of Christ mediated immediately by promise of the Holy Spirit's enabling them to do so. The Roman church had said, no, the best way to keep apostolic doctrine is to keep it in the, in the family. If a bishop ordains a bishop and another bishop ordains a bishop and 100 years go by and 200 and 300 years and you've got the bishops and the, and the, and the church is the bishops. They finally defined it that way that it was the bishops where they where the heart of the church is. So as the years go by, the bishops, the bishops, the bishops, the archbishops, and most importantly, the bishop at Rome who became the chief bishop, the pope, that's where the authority is. That's where the true word is. It's in these bishops. So even though 14, 1500 years has passed, if we want to find truth, we can find it in the hearts and minds and the teaching of the magisterium, the bishops. That's where apostolic truth is. And the reformer said, but look what's being taught there as opposed to what's being taught in the pages of the New Testament and the New Testament alone. So you have to ask yourself on your own foundational understanding, which do you think is the better conduit of sound apostolic witness? Teaching and scripture that was written by the men at the time and then preserved down through the centuries, or whether it was individuals who received the laying on of hands and what they have taught down through the centuries. Just think about it for about three seconds. Which has the better chance of being primitive, apostolic truth? Now, that's what the early church devoted themselves to. They devoted themselves to apostolic doctrine, which came to be, of course, when the apostles ended up preaching it over and over and over and finally writing it down in, in the epistles and in gospel, the New Testament. What I fear in our own day is we've sort of disregarded both sources of authority. Christians now don't listen to the New Testament. They don't read the New Testament. They're not devoted to the New Testament. They're not devoted to the apostles' doctrine. And they don't pay attention to the bishops either. <laughs> and we find ourselves adrift. We find ourselves really in a culture where we have no good, clear, sound, clarion voice call of the mighty acts of God in the person of Jesus Christ as conveyed to us by His Word in the New Testament. And we need to renew our devotion. We need to renew our commitment. We need to think through and revalidate, if there's such a word, in our hearts what it is that we believe and where it comes from. What is the source of the hope that is within us? Where is it taught but in the teaching of the apostles? 